What is up, ASM? Good to be with you guys. We are now getting in the Christmas spirit, as you can tell. Beautiful Christmas tree behind me. Uh, today's passage is not so much Christmas. We are in Galatians. I guess it is Christmas. Everything's about Jesus, right? Uh, you know the drill if you have not read it yet. Today we're in Galatians chapter 5. It's the first 12 verses. Encourage you, pause this video right now, read those verses so that you understand some context here, and come back in. So Galatians 5. Verses 1 through 12. Go ahead. Sweet. Now that you've done that, we should be good to go and ready to talk about this. Man, I just got to start with this. Some of you are coming up now. Uh, it's, it's about time for winter break. You're probably looking forward to it. I don't know how long you guys get off. Is it like two weeks? So, I know some years it felt like I only got one week off. Kind of lame, but I had to go to school on like day of New Year's or day after New Year's. I mean, it was awful. But just imagine... We're coming up on on winter break, and you're looking forward to it. You're going to be free. You don't have homework. Hopefully, you don't have homework. You don't have to go to school every day. It's great. It's amazing. But what if you're free from school, you're on break, or even bigger, you're on summer vacation, and in the middle of July, you decide, yeah, I'm just going to go sit in my classroom. just going to go hang out, maybe grind some more algebra, Sounds like a fun time. No, of course you're not going to. You're on break. You're celebrating Christmas. You're going to be making cookies. You're going to be hanging out with your family. Or it's summer. You're going to be on vacation. Why would you go back to school? Why would you go back into something that is not as good as what you've been offered? Right? You've been offered freedom. You've been offered a break. Why would you go back? What's the point? Well, that same kind of idea, that question Paul is posing to us here, and particularly, we're really focusing, I know I told you to read all of uh, the 12 verses, but really, just in our time, we're going to hone in on those first six. And, and Paul's basically posing this question, and it's, it's a similar one that he's been posing throughout this letter. So you, if you've been reading along with us, if you've been setting with us, this may sound a little familiar, but he's saying, essentially, you have been offered goodness. You've been offered freedom. Why would you go back to slavery. And he actually says that in, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Paul's writing, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Yes, this is Paul's focus. He's saying you've been set free. Don't go back. The yoke of slavery, right? Just to help with this image, yoke would be what you put on like an ox or, or like uh, a horse or an animal that would be plowing the fields, right? So it's, it's kind of like the, the whole thing strapping them in. So a yoke is not a, a great, comfortable, enjoyable thing. We're not talking like egg yolk. It's totally different. We're talking about hard work farm animal. He's saying you have been set free. And you can see we've got our title slide up. This is the big idea of this passage. The main idea of what Paul is writing here and the language he's using actually has shaped our entire study in Galatians, right? Our theme in Galatians has been, you are set free, so live free, right? We pull that out of verse one, out of Paul saying, you have been set free, right? The important thing is, do not let yourselves again be burdened by the yoke of slavery. 
remember what's happening in our context, right? Context. We've, we've gone through this a lot, so I'm going to hit it quick. There's the Judaizers. There's this group of false teachers, and they're telling the, the Christians in Galatia, in the place, in the city that Paul is writing this letter to, right? He's writing this letter to a church in this city, in Galatia, and to them, they are being taught falsely, wrongly by the Judaizers. It's not good enough to believe just the gospel. You need to live by the law. You need to live what we understand is the things in the Old Testament, the laws in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. You need to follow those in order to actually be free. And Paul's blowing that up and saying, no, of course not. Here's what he says. Galatians 5, verses 4 and 5, right? He's going to be very clear. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. Alienated. An alien is not of this world. It's not of this place. You are far from Christ is what he's saying. You have fallen away from grace. That's heavy. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith. That's a key. Await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. There is a danger a serious, a grave, an immense danger to believing that your faith, that your salvation can come, excuse me, your salvation can come by any way except faith. Right? That's what he's saying. You have been alienated from Christ. He does not know you. You are not the same. You are far from him. That is the warning Paul issues. Right? We cannot, for us, in our context, we don't really have the equivalent of the Judaizers. We're not being told we need to follow the Old Testament, but we are being told other lies and other things that either uh, faith is not enough, you can't just believe in Jesus, or why would you believe in Jesus? Any of that, anything that you're trying to do where you work harder to be good, to be a good Christian and, and be in good standing with God, if you're trying to earn his love, if you're trying to earn his forgiveness, that is the lie. And that puts you farther from him rather than closer, right? This is, this is our application. This is where we're going to sit to close. It is the second half of verse 6. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing. There is nothing else in your relationship with your Savior, with your God and Creator. Nothing else matters except your faith that is shown by your love. And now we need to talk about what that means and what that looks like. What is this love? Well, it's not just a romantic love, right? Maybe if you've been around and studied the Bible, you may have heard different, different phrases or different types of love thrown around, but this is not just a romantic love. This is not dating. This is not your spouse. It, it, we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is a true, perfect love for others around you. And one of the things about this love is that it's not uh, dictated. It's not changed by your emotions. You don't sometimes feel it more, sometimes feel it less. This is supposed to be always, just like our faith is always there. This love is supposed to always be there. That's, that's part of what Paul's getting at here is that your faith is expressed by this love. So when we talk about this love, this is the love for everyone around you. This is the love for God. This is the love for your family, love for your friends. Everyone around you, you should love. How do we do this? What does this look like? Service, sacrifice, generosity, those, those kind of words they hear thrown around. 
practice those and, and look at the people that you interact with daily and just as you're living your life. You don't have to go and do something crazy, although sometimes that is amazing. Sometimes we are called to do that. But this isn't, I need to go create an entirely new project and learn how to do this in order to love. No, 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 we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is you interact with people every day. It may not be a lot of them. If you're going to be on winter break, it may just be your family. But the people that you interact with, it should be marked by love. You should make it known to them that you love them, not just by saying, I love you. Show it with your actions. This is what I mean by generosity, patience, sacrifice. For your parents, gosh, there's so many ways that we can love our parents. Doing what they ask you to is actually a good one. Also, just generally, not challenging them when they ask you to do a chore, right? Because it doesn't really count if they say, hey, can you do the dishes? You say, well, why do I need to do it? It's, it's my sister's turn because she didn't do it last night. Okay? If you still do the dishes, that's not really showing a lot of service and love towards them, right? And, and we know that, right? This instead looks at, wow, mom and dad are busy I can help them out and do the dishes even before you're asked. Okay, I know we talk about that a lot, but that actually is a serious way for you guys in middle school right now to love your parents. And yes, you are doing that for your parents, but what Paul says here is that you're actually expressing your faith in Jesus by doing that. It's special. It's different. You're not earning brownie points. It's not that. It's that this is how we live out our faith. This is how we live out our relationship with Christ, with our Savior, is that we love others. So it's not just your parents, it could be your siblings, it could be your friends, but being someone that takes the time to stop and listen to them. Being someone that when they ask for help, you do it willingly, you do it lovingly. Those kind of things are what mark you as someone that is different, that you're a follower of Jesus. And by the way, that opens the door to have those conversations. This isn't necessarily a strictly evangelistic message. It's not just about explaining the gospel to people from Paul. But that is a part. Everything ties together. That is a part of it, is that you earn credibility, that you earn the right in order to share why you love, why you are different. Is it? (laughs) You might want to check if someone tried to break in. Yep. You think you hit the panic button? Or? Oh, man. That's okay. This is perfect, though, because I was about to transition to my final close, so easy cut. Cool. So this is our takeaway. This is what Paul has left us with, challenged us with. He wrote this letter so long ago. I mean, we're like 2,000 years ago, right? But even 2,000 years ago, even now, it still applies only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So here's our question for us. And by the way, if you want a little bit of a, of a cheat sheet, a little bit of a spoiler, you can actually look ahead, the next verses. It's, it's a kind of famous passage. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You may have heard that mentioned before. But those things I was mentioning, you know, love, patience, generosity, those kind of things, those are the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what Paul is talking about next. So that's kind of why we brought it in. But for us, this is our question and this is our challenge is that we need to ask ourselves, what does it look like for us to express our faith through love? And again, do it in that everyday sense. Do it in the way that as you live your life, as you speak to, interact with the people around you, 
How do you express that faith through love? And that's our challenge. That's what Paul wants us, wants us to do. We have been set free. We live free. What does that look like? We love. I had a great time in this. I hope you guys do too. Hope you guys have loved this day. We're, we're nearing the end. We're in the last just like two chapters of this book. And it's been so good. It's been challenging. It's been encouraging. And I hope that we're learning a lot together. Uh, guys, I can say this. Merry Christmas. And hope to see you soon.